Good news, smoked beer fans. The official glass of This Week in Rauk Beer is now back in stock on our website. Visit beeredge.com slash merch to get yours today. And be sure to join This Week in Rauk Beer on Facebook or follow at TW Rauk Beer on Twitter and Instagram. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. Other Half is a brewery synonymous with IPA, but when you head to their location in upstate New York, you'll find more than just haze. Today, I'm talking with Felipe Higgins, the head brewer in the Finger Lakes, about the Outpost and its robust mixed fermentation program. But first, we're able to bring you this show each week. Thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to sponsor at beeredge.com and be sure to check out Stomp Stickers. Stomp is a proud member of the Brewers Association that produces a wide variety of printed brewery products, such as beer labels, keg collars, coasters, beer boxes, and much more. Stomp's website features an easy-to-use design tool, low-quantity orders, fast turnaround times, and free domestic shipping. Visit stompstickers.com and use code CRAFTBEER15 for 15% off your first order. Athletic Brewing Company's innovative process allows them to brew great-tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to gold nails and more, they offer a full selection of beers starting at only 50 calories. Now you can keep your head clear and enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime, anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six-packs or more. New customers can also get 10% off of their entire order with the code BEEREDGE10, limit one per customer. Anenzi Hops is a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years with creativity and passion to produce some of the world's finest hops. With a dedicated hop breeding program and farming knowledge handed down through the generations, the current day master growers proudly provide 18 unique New Zealand hop varieties to the world. Visit nzhops.co.nz or find them on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at nzhopsltd to learn more. While the announcement a few years back might have surprised some, internally at Other Half, the move to a brewery space in New York's Finger Lakes region, just south of Rochester, made sense. The brewery had done a number of pop-ups in the area, and consumer reception was strong. When a brewery sitting on eight acres suddenly closed down in the town of Bloomfield, the brewery jumped at the chance, foregoing a city location for a more rural one. This presented the opportunity for the brewery to push deeper into mixed fermentation and gave Felipe Higgins, who had worked previously in the brewery's Brooklyn location, a chance to move north and focus on beers that deeply interested him as a brewer. I was in the Rochester area last weekend and had the chance to visit the brewery and drink some lager as well as some haze. Felipe was out of town, so we recorded this conversation after I got home and after he got back to the brewery. He's really leaning into the local flora, giving the brewery's cool ship a good workout. And between foraging and working with local farmers, he's finding new ingredients to incorporate into beers, many of which have been brewed over the last three years, but have yet to be released to the public. 
Felipe also talks about the clean program, how the IPAs and other beers being produced differ from the other brewery locations, but still complement the overall portfolio. We start off by talking about the location itself and the vision for the site and how it differs from the original. Here's our conversation. You know, our, our intention is always kind of to have, um, you know, like you said, have it have its own, uh, a bit of its own unique character, uh, but kind of a hybrid of, of both those things that you mentioned. Um, you know, and it took us a while of kind of, uh, you know, trying things out and working through, um, working through different things to really kind of find our own unique voice. But um, I, I believe uh, the goal was always to create something that, you know, in its DNA was, you know, uniquely other half and still had that sort of um, fun essence, but while also um, branching out and kind of um, creating its own voice in a way. Um, yeah. How, how have you achieved that? Um, I would think, you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's taken a lot of time, but one of our um, main goals is, um, uh, is, you know, working on this mixed fermentation program and really trying to push that, um, you know, uh, push that to the consumer base up here and kind of educate people about that. Um, it seems like we, there's, you know, while, while people do enjoy hazy IPAs, um, which we're well known for, um, oh, up yeah. here there, there's, there's definitely like a different type of beer drinker, um, and, you know, a different consumer base. Um, and so like, you know, I think it, it, when we started out, a lot of it was, you know, trying to have basically the same essence that we had in Brooklyn, but, um, also maybe brew a few different styles of beer and whatnot. Um, and I think we've kind of come into our own, um, as you know, uh, our own standalone facility and, um, with, you know, a fair amount of our own products. So kind of a hybrid of, you know, Brooklyn and upstate and, um, and all that. So, I mean, there are regional drinking preferences. So you found that a lot of the mixed firm that you're doing speaks to the local customers in maybe a way that it wouldn't in some other areas. Well, I think so. I think like a lot of what we're trying to do with the mixed firm program is, um, create products that are, you know, tell a story about this region and are kind of uniquely tied to here. Um, you know, products that, you know, using ingredients that you can't really find anywhere else. So, um, in a What's way, a good example of that, um, well, I would say, uh, for example, I think one of the beers that I left for you was field studies, lilac, um, lilac, if you're not aware is the, you know, Rochester, uh, city flower. Um, I was know, not pretty, aware of that. Yeah, there's 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 a large lilac festival here. Um, it's uh, on the logo on everything from trash cans to you know municipal buildings and things like that. Um, <laughs> Clearly, I wasn't paying attention when I was in town. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's everywhere. So you know, some something along the lines of that. Um, you know, we made a beer uh, called Field Studies Lilac. Um, Field Studies is kind of like our lower ABV. Um, mix firm forged ingredient forged adjunct uh series um so we were able to connect with uh a local lilac farm who you know the majority of their business was selling trees they really didn't do much with the flowers at all so um we looked into uh how we might be able to use that in a beer in a new and fun interesting way um we were able to go over there and fill about two contractor bags full of fresh lilac flowers Whoa. and right. um we uh we cold steep those in our kettle overnight 
basically made a large batch of um, lilac water and then yeah. used that as 100% of our brewing water. Um, cool. Yeah. Wow. So, All right. Something like that. And that and that was kind of like a connection of just, um, you know, just just through through acquaintances and through friends, um, it kind of just came to be. And I feel like trying to make more beers like that, that are connected to the area and connected to the people around us and things that you can't really, uh, or that you're not really seeing people do, um, in Brooklyn, you know, so to speak. Um, I feel like, you know, at least we're, we're trying to make that connection with the customer base to create something different and a new experience for them to drink. And, and, I guess for the people who understand the importance of lilac, that's something where when you're putting it out on social, when you're talking about it uh, in and around town will pique the interest because it is something so, so familiar. Um, Absolutely. Are there people who make the pilgrimage from, from the city, from Brooklyn, from other regions to you all? Um, here and there. Definitely. Um I think uh, we, you know, we often have times have people who um, are just somewhat in the area by, you know, happenstance and, you know, uh, taking that long detour off a of 90. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and had heard about us and they'd wanted to check us out, but um, you know, it, it is a bit of a, a far drive and, you know, not many people find themselves out here by accident. Um, so, uh, and especially with, you know, the availability of our other beers, um, you know, in places from DC to, you know, now Philly coming up, um, uh, you know, multiple spots in Brooklyn. Um, we don't get as, I guess, as many people, um, driving all the way out here just to get those beers, but, um, there's still, there still are some diehards out there. I'll say that. So you found though, then that the tastes of the consumers are jiving then with, with, with a lot of the mixed firm that you're doing. And I'm guessing, Part of that also has to be the, the the wine industry in the region. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I yeah, I'd like to say say that you know people definitely do enjoy the mixed firms. It, we're we're still kind of trying to figure out um, in a way how to kind of tap into that wine scene as well. You know, we do. I feel like a lot of our beers do kind of uh, straddle that line between beer and wine, um, and it's more about uh, for us just figuring out how to properly educate people about. Um, about these beers and and uh, just get them to give them a chance um, and usually once they do it's you know it's a very positive experience um, and they're curious about more yeah but I will say in general too you know we um, like I said while people do enjoy the hazy beers and uh, the hazy IPAs and things like that you know every now and then we'll get say like uh, a brown ale or um, you know a red ale from our uh, Williamsburg outpost. And it seems like consumers do kind of uh, enjoy some of those more old school styles up here as well. Well, I mean, when you think about the popularity of Genesee and Labatt and, you know, some of the more classic, classic styles in, 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 in that area. Um, yeah. that sort of tracks that, that makes sense. And I imagine you're, you're the Pilsners that you guys are doing and the loggers do fairly well. Oh yeah. They, they crush it. That's, that's, that's for sure. Um, so, so I saw the cool ship as I was walking in and, Mm -hmm. uh, it it looks like it's, it's gotten some love. It looks like it's gotten some use. And I, I, I noticed, um, uh, when I was tasting through, uh, two of the, uh, the beers that you sent along, um, 
the 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 wine the wine beers. There, there's one with uh, uh, Cabernet Franc, and then mm-hmm. a uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this. Uh, the Catawba. Cotaba. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so terrible with, uh, uh, with, with some of these, um, but you were yeah, talking on the, uh, on the label. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to make you say it so that, you know, I'm not going to butcher it. Um, Perfect. Just, <laughs> I'm a terrible <laughs> host. Um, but you're talking about the house culture um, uh, that, 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 that really comes off on these beers. Having been open for a few years now, uh, I imagine that that culture has evolved and you're working to get it to where you want it to be. Is, is that accurate? Um, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, full disclosure, we actually have, I would say, multiple different house cultures that we're still, you know, um, still brewing with, still evaluating, um, still kind of figuring out how to manipulate in ways that are interesting and give us different results. Um, so, you know, a, a big thing about, a big thing about the program is that, um, I would say 90, 90 to 95% of the yeast that we use is all, uh, wild captured and, um, propagated in-house. Um, so pretty much none of it, except for a few Brett strains here and there, um, has been bought from, from a yeast bank or a lab or anything like that. Um, which I think has been an important part of it for us. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're sitting on so much land there. It's what, eight acres? Eight acres. That's correct. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on in the area. There's a lot happening just right outside your, your, your brewing door. Um, as, as you've been thinking about house cultures and wild cultures, um, are there flavors? Are there aromas? Are there, you know, those intangibles that you think have emerged from just being where you are? Um, I think so for sure. I think, um, you know, just, just the landscape in general. Um, it's, it's one of the things that's actually, uh, caused me to kind of, uh, fall in love with the area and really want to, you know, stay here and, um, keep creating, but, um, everything from, from the wineries to, um, all the agriculture and the fruit farmers, um, to, you know, just the microflora in the air on different fruits. Uh, it's, it just, there's no lack of inspiration. Um, and it, you know, it kind of keeps the creative juices going. Um, I would say that there's definitely uh, a lot of flavors out there that, you know, are still waiting to be, you know, pulled out of different things. Um, you know, like, a the springtime air, um, or, you know, a pear on a pear tree, uh, you know, down at our garden center. Um, some of our house cultures have come from things like that from wild black raspberries or, um, or, you know, peaches, uh, as well. Um, so I think there's like a constant, uh, there's constant opportunity out there um, to create new flavors, which I think is is something that's really special about this region. And not only to to you know get yeast derived flavors from these wild uh, bugs, but then to bring them back around and bring them back to the things that that they originated from, um, to kind of bring things full circle. I think is a, a really special thing out here as well. So when you're thinking about putting a recipe together, when you're thinking about putting a new beer, that's going to use one of these house cultures. Um, can, can you talk me through how that comes together? Where you, where you yeah. start, where the inspiration strikes and how it eventually results in the finished product. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I think for for me, when we're first starting to play with these cultures, um, it's kind of imp important to uh, you know keep the recipe um, as simple as possible. Um, what we're really trying to do is evaluate uh, what the yeast, what the bacteria is contributing. So, a lot of our our first experiments are you know pretty simple. Uh, you know, majority pilsner malt, maybe a little bit of wheat. Um, but, uh, and, you know, lower ABV just to try and give it, you know, it's true expression. Um, a lot of times we're, we're also not using uh, a whole lot of hops. Um, so I like to kind of start out with, you know, trying to see what the culture is like in its full stripped down version without anything inhibiting it. Um, I think usually the next step that we take after that is that we'll, we'll start to play with hops. I'd be used a little bit just to kind of tamper down any bacteria, um, see what that's giving us. Um, and then after that, we kind of start, you know, um, adding, uh, adding more things in, you know, more complex malt bills, um, and, and seeing where that takes us as well. Um, it's, it's an interesting process because, you know, it's, it took us about two years before we even released the first beer and some of those beers we still brewed in, in year one, um, are just starting to, you know, show their true character now, um, but I think the important part is that we've just, you know, kept creating, kept trying a bunch of different stuff um, that we're able to evaluate at this point and then, uh, and then determine, okay, now this is going to make a great base for, you know, uh, letting these wine grapes, you know, show through or things along those lines. And you're able, you have the time to just let these beers sit until they're ready or until you think they're ready. Uh, absolutely. I, I, I will say that is one of the uh, great things about working for uh, you know, a company like Other Half, that we have such a strong brand and there is such a demand for a lot of our, um, a lot of the beers that we're already known for. Um, so, you know, as, as we make those beers, which is the bulk of the business that we do, it allows us to, to kind of give all these beers the time they need to fully mature um, and to fully be ready. Um, it is a bit painstaking to, uh, you know, wait that long for, for things, you know, I don't necessarily consider myself the most patient, uh, person in the world, but, uh, the, this program has definitely taught me that, you know, patience pays off in the end. Um, and we have, you know, we have some bottles that have sat conditioning for well over a year and it, it took that long before it actually started coming around. And some of them was surprised, uh, surprised us in, um, you know, pretty amazing ways. What's an example of one of those beers? Um, I would say we, well, there's one we have not released just yet, um, but uh, it was a single barrel that we conditioned on, I believe it was uh, Riesling and Cayuga um, wine leaves. Um, and it, uh, something about it just tasted uh, off. It had this kind of musty aroma and we basically just, said, well, okay, we'll probably never release that. Um, we set it off, we set it off aside in the corner for, you know, a year and a half or so, um, and recently cracked a bottle and it's giving off these like beautiful, um, sort of like coconut pineapple, um, flavors and aromas right now. Um, and so that's when we're like, wow, okay. Like, you know, just being patient and letting it kind of do its thing and not trying to rush these bottles, um, out, uh, can actually be beneficial in the end. Um, I'm always curious about when brewers make the decision 
to either try something again or to dump it. Right. So if a year and mm-hmm. a half ago, you're trying it and you're like, this is, this is not good. This is not what we want it to be. Um, why not just get rid of it then? Is it, there's faith that it could change or had you yeah. tried it again, you know, two weeks ago and it was still not great. Would that have been time to go? I, I, I don't know. I'm not like, advocating for you to like toss stuff, but I know no, you absolutely. also don't want to put up stuff that is you know, not what you want it to be. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an important part of it as well is that, um, you know, we never want to put out a beer that we're not a hundred percent behind. Um, I think also is, um, it's especially something that's been put in the bottle that I thought was, you know, was tasting nice and did have potential when it went into bottle. It's kind of hard for me to, to let go of that. And for me, at least some, you know, we were lucky enough that we have uh, a pretty large warehouse space where we can store bottles. Sure. So, um, I'm like, let's, let's, let's at least just give it a year and give it, you know, some time. Um, and see if it comes around and if, uh, you know, a year or two from now, um, we're still, you know, not happy with it. Then at that point we can definitely, uh, you know, send it down the drain. Um, obviously like with a program like that, that's a, a, a part of the process in a way. Um, we've definitely had to let go of a few barrels here and there that had, uh, you know, gotten way too much, uh, ethyl acetate on them or way too acetic or, um, things along uh, those lines. But, I think you always have to have a little bit of faith. Um, and, and oftentimes, you know, beers have surprised us. Um, I think that that one beer I gave you uh, another day in paradise, which is our first mixed culture we put out um, kind of just tasting through that as it bottle conditioned and evolved um, because, you know, that's a whole process in itself. Uh, the first couple of times I opened those bottles, uh, it was tasting like, you know, um, like uh, apple juice and um, pennies kind of. It had this like weird metallic thing, this weird sort of like rotten fermented fruit thing. Um, And then, you know, three to six months later, um, it kind of completely turned around. Um, So I think you got to have kind of faith in those microorganisms, especially things like Brett and their restorative qualities. Um, Because oftentimes, you know, they'll surprise you with it. So luckily enough, we have the space to kind of leave things alone and and forget about them. And we're constantly brewing new beers and blending new beers um, so we can focus our attention elsewhere and, you know, not be so hyper-focused on that one particular one that isn't quite where we want it just yet. Are there, is there a target number of how many beers you want to do per year? Not at the moment. Um, we've kind of just been going organically, uh, with the, uh, with that project. Um, I will say at this point, we have about 40 different bottles that are conditioning currently. So, um, so I would love to, you know, I think the, the initial goal was, you know, whatever, whatever we can get out, let's get out. And then once we started building a little bit of a stock, it was, um, you know, let's put out at least once a month and start making it sort of a regular thing. Um, and now at this point we have, you know, that, that nice, um, inventory of, you know, a vastly huge variety of different beers from fruited ones to spont- fully spontaneous ones, to blends, to, uh, all sorts of different things. Um, so I think at this point we're kind of trying to reevaluate and see if we can, uh, release them in a way, um, to make it kind of more interesting for the consumer and, you know, having 
multiple different bottles at the same time that are similar, but, you know, have differences like different wine grape focused ones. Um, just to really try to make it a, an interesting, uh, you know, drinking experience for the customer. I imagine because other half as a brewery, as a brand has so much excitement behind it, uh, such rabid fans, uh, some detractors, um, (laughs) but a lot of attention paid to it that there's gotta be some pressure for every beer that you put out because it is going to be scrutinized by beer nerds or, you know, folks who have a little too much internet courage. Um, Does that, how how does that impact you? If at all, um, as a brewer, that attention, Um, that, that, that focus that some give you. I think, I think it's kind of a double-edged sword in a way. Um, I think, um, you know, I have a lot of faith in myself uh, as well as my team um, and our palates. Um, so I think when, when we all collectively decide that we think something tastes good, um, there's the hope that uh, that'll, you know, track and travel on with, with the, the people who are buying it and consuming it. Um, I think there's also, you know, a funny thing to think about with, uh, like, I, I oftentimes wonder if these beers were released, say by just, uh, a small local brewery in the area, if people would give them the same sort of, uh, attention or untapped rating or things like that. (laughs) Um, so, you know, there is something about, about the name that's, it's nice that I, I feel like it gives us a bit of a leg up. Um, so it takes a little bit of pressure off. Um, but I think, uh, in general, I have a lot of confidence in, in, in what we do and what we put out that, um, I'm not super worried about it most of the time. Um, I think a lot of us are more, uh, we're more just focused and interested in the process and making the beers and drinking the beers, uh, and less kind of focused on what people are saying about them. Um, I mean, at least, you know, at least us and the brewers, I'm sure uh, our analytics team and uh, higher ups in the corporate down in Brooklyn, uh, maybe a little more focused on untapped and stuff. But yeah, um, I think in general, um, yeah, I think in general, it's it's not um, not as impactful in our day to day as one might think. I mean, that's good, because otherwise you start to get distracted, I imagine. And it's, you know, oh, well maybe we shouldn't do this after all. And you, you start to doubt yeah. yourself, but having confidence in yourself and the team, I think it's just smart for any brewery. Um, yeah. I, I think it's, it, if you start worrying too much about um, those kind of things, then you start making what you think people want you to make, as opposed to making what you truly feel that you want to make. Um, and that's, that's a big distinction for me. More in just a moment, but first thanks to these companies who support drink beer, think beer and help keep it on the air. Stomp Stickers is a reliable resource for printed items such as beer labels and boxes, keg collars, coasters, and more. Visit stompstickers.com and use code craftbeer15 for 15% off your first order. Athletic Brewing Company's innovative process allows them to brew great tasting craft beer without the alcohol. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six packs or more. New customers can also get 10% off of their entire order with code BEEREDGE10. 
limit one per customer. And NZ Hops. It's a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years to produce some of the world's finest hops. NZ Hops are like no others, unique in their flavors and aromas. Visit nzhops.co.nz to explore more. And now, back to the conversation. As I was driving around, I was noticing everything was snow covered, but um, there are a lot of farms uh, in the area. And it seems like, you know, you're using uh, wine grapes, you're using leaves, you're uh, playing into to, to that region. Um, what about some of the other things that are being grown in the area? Have you have you had much of a chance to explore and to try to figure out what else could fit into some of your beers that's that's being grown locally? Hmm. I mean, we use a lot of local malt. Um, I will say again, about 90% of, uh, the malt that we use for the program, um, is all New York state malt. Um, we have a malt house right up the road, uh, murmuration malts, which is great. They're about a mile away. Um, but in terms of other stuff, um, I mean, obviously, yeah, the, the fruit farmers, um, getting to know all the, the farmers at the different orchards. Um, it's surprising how many different fruits there are out there that I've never heard of. Um, that are, you know, fun to experiment with. Um, we, we did a beer pretty recently with, uh, um, these French melons that, um, one farm was growing just for, uh, you know, it was kind of a test for a, a seed breeder in Florida and they did nothing with the melons. Um, I feel like I'm going to butcher the name Sharon Tai melons. I, believe. I don't know that. Yeah. Um, okay. but they're supposed to be well-renowned for, you know, uh, being super aromatic and super sweet. Um, so we did a fun little beer with, with that and sea salt that's conditioning right now. Ooh. Um, there's, uh, June berries. Um, I'm not sure mm-hmm. if you're familiar with those, but they're, um, kind of like a cousin of blueberry in a way, uh, a little more earthy, um, a little more tannic. Um, but those are fun. Um, I think also, you know, uh, there's a lot of kind of opportunity for forged ingredients out here. Um, that is one thing I'd like to get a little more into. Um, like I mentioned, we did that lilac beer, which was fun. Um, another one in that series that we've yet to release, uh, we did a staghorn sumac one. Um, we have a dandelion one on the way. Um, and you know, I, I feel like we're just kind of scratching the surface of what this, uh, area has to offer. Um, like I said, between, between the fruit farms and the stuff we can forage and the wineries, um, it's kind of just limitless. You know, the more, the more we're getting to know the area and the people out here, um, the the more, you know, the more we're learning about what's available and, and what we can play with. Um, and yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, every, every different season that comes around has something new to offer. So, um, it kind of just keep, keeps us going. You, You mentioned using local malts. Um, is that something that you were doing when you were down in Brooklyn or just by nature of the place? Not, not as much. Um, just by nature of the place, not as much. Um, obviously they're, they're, uh, a bit more expensive. Um, and you know, on that larger scale, um, we were just using a lot more kind of like Bree small, um, and things like that. Um, I think, but just by the nature of this product though, um, we kind of wanted to make something that was inherently New York state. Um, and so using local malt was, was super important to us. And luckily we found, you know, a great malt house right, right near us. And there are a mul- multiple other ones in the area as well that we've, we've also played around with. So um, I mean, it, it's great connecting with them. 
Yeah. And I, I, I think it is a great way to connect with folks and to, 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 you know, play up the local angle, um, you know, cause people, people enjoy that. And, and I'm not saying this in a cynical way. Um, ha- have there been learning curves? Is there, is there a difference using local malts as opposed to, you know, what you might've been getting from some of the larger, better known suppliers? I, I think you said Brees, you know, like, is there, yeah. Um, a it- little bit. Um, I, I, I think, you know, um, luckily our, our local maltster, their, their, um, their malt has been very comparable um, in terms of, you know, uh, sugar content and extraction and proteins. And it, it's, it's been pretty, a pretty easy transition for that program. Um, and uh, it, yeah, it really hasn't been too much of an issue, you know, aside from here and there, you different kernel sizes and, and whatnot and having to adjust our mill. Um, but for the most part, we've had a lot of success and really enjoyed uh, what we've been getting. And also, you know, the benefit of having them be right down the road, anything we want to change, any, um, you know, special requests that we have, uh, they're always open to listen to us and, and adjust things um, as needed on the fly, which is a huge benefit. That's cool. I like that. Um, there was hard not to notice as I was sitting at the bar, uh, looking out over your snowy fields there, uh, some hop trellises in the not so far distance. Mm. What's, what's going to be growing on those fairly soon? What's coming up on those vines? Um, I'm not sure what we're going to do with that just yet. So that was, um, that was from, from our, uh, the previous existing brewery that was there. Um, I believe they had a bunch of hops, uh, just sort of decoratively, um, and if you go out there in the summertime, um, you know, walk through the area, there's just tons of hops just growing wild all just over wild. The, okay. all over the ground there. Um, I imagine it's, you know, varieties like Cascade and things like that, but we haven't, um, we haven't really made a plan, um, yet. I mean, the, the dream was always, uh, you know, to slowly start planting fruit trees and kind of turning that whole area into, um, orchards and, you know, start growing berry bushes and things along those lines that we could, um, eventually start using in our beer down the line. Um, but obviously, you know, with, with the pandemic and everything that's been going on as well as our, all of our expansions, it's kind of, uh, taken a backseat for a while. Um, but ideally, you know, that's kind of the, the long-term vision out there. Can we talk about your clean side? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as I was sitting at the bar, uh, people came in, uh, they were getting a lot of cans to go. Uh, nice. And they were ordering a lot of uh, uh, various shades of haze, and everybody seemed to be, you know, fairly happy and excited about what they were getting. Um, is there a difference between what Brooklyn is making, what Philly and DC um, uh, is, is doing, um, even what what you can get on the the shelves now at Wegmans and other and other stores? Um, versus what you're doing on the clean side is there overlap Um, but also standalone islands yeah there's there's a bit of overlap and also standalone islands um i think um i think each location is kind of finding its uh its identity a bit within the other half umbrella um i think uh every now and then all of us still brew some of the classics, you know, the all citras, the green cities, things like that. Um, but I think we've really kind of created some of our own little fun series 
uh, up here. Um, for example, we have like our Chroma series, which is all kind of single hop focused, um, a pretty pared down malt bill, uh, usually just, uh, you know, some Pilsner, some white wheat, um, just to really let the hops shine. Um, and I think that's been a really fun one for us up here as well as, uh, good and educational for the consumer. Um, just to kind of, you know, showcase each of these individual hops as opposed to, you know, loading a new beer with, you know, five, six different varieties where you can't really pick out the character of just one to determine uh, if you like it or not. Yeah, I have some of these cans in front of me. Uh, Ruwaka, uh, Enigma, mm. uh, what is this? Oh, uh, uh, Motuika and mm -hmm. something else. Um, oh, Citra. Well, obviously. Trip, <laughs> obviously. Triple Citra. Oh, um, fun! That one. I thought that one came out really nice. Okay, I haven't. I haven't cracked these yet, so I'm. Uh, uh, this is you know ten percent ABV. Uh, that's for after recording. Otherwise, the show starts yeah. to lose the rails. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, uh, that's pretty, one. That's one for before bed. Yeah. Um, is there expectations for the people who walk through the door, though? I mean, now that other half is. As, as big as it's gotten where you can, I mean, I can get other half beers now in, in my local package store here in Jersey, um, oh, wow. which just is weird yeah, uh, to, absolutely. To, to, to me, um, you know, but it's in Wegmans and it's in all of these other places where you don't have to wait in line anymore. Mm -hmm. um, is there, is there, is there still a desire to make some of these beers where people will show up early? Um, and, and, and grab them? Um, or, you know, are, are you all at a place now where people are going to show up, they're going to be happy, whatever you have, and there's not necessarily going to be the rush on your, on, on your door to, to get them first or to tick them first or, or, or whatever. Um, I mean, I think there's always the desire to, to make some beers here and there that are still gonna, um, still bring people out, um, still kind of give people that special feeling and, kind of um, that nostalgic feeling of those like days of, of line culture that um, don't seem to be around uh, as much anymore. Um, I think these days it's a lot more kind of, um, kind of like event focused and things of those uh, of that nature. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard to kind of maintain the, that sort of special feeling uh, with the beers that we're brewing, you know, all the time at this point. Um, I think the, you know, pandemic changed a lot of things for a lot of people. So, um, I think the pandemic combined with growth, uh, into all these different facilities and all these different, um, states and different markets, uh, changed things for sure. But, um, but I think in a way having, you know, green city where you can buy that everywhere and people seeing that it makes some of those other beers a bit more special. Um, like we just had our eighth anniversary, not that long ago where, um, we put out a pretty, pretty solid lineup across the different breweries of, of special collaborations and things along those lines that I, I think really got people excited. Um, and I think it was the first time in, in, in quite a bit that I'd seen people um, that hyped about, you know, a lot of these beers and seeing these beers sell out and people lining up for them. Um, it was, it was a great feeling. Um, so I guess a bit of both, uh, you know, are IPAs still ruling the roost for what you're making up there and what's, what's moving fastest? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I definitely think there's, um, you know, that's, that's been our bread and butter and continues to be. Um, I, I definitely feel like we're starting to see uh, a bit of a trend of 
Um, people are starting to enjoy loggers a bit more. Um, our DC location has a, a, a lot larger capacity um, than we do or than even Brooklyn does. So uh, they're doing a lot of the loggers out there, um, which has been great. Um, but yeah, it seems like people are, are, are starting to lean a little bit towards uh, kind of lower ABV IPAs um, as well as our loggers, um, which are also crushing it. Um, whereas, you know, a few years ago, uh, triple IPAs was kind of what, what people seem to want the most. Yeah. Um, that's gotta present some fun challenges for you all. Yeah, Packing in the flavor, but, but moving to a lower ABV. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, uh, you know, luckily we're, we're always blessed each year to, um, select some of the best hops that are available in the, in the country and in the world. Um, so that's been an important part of kind of maintaining a, a high quality of flavor, you know, at, regardless of ABV. And uh, I think, um, yeah. Can, let me ask you about hop selection then um, with multiple locations. Uh, you know, we started off by talking about how, you know, you're part of the family, but you're, you know, unique in your own way. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to other head brewers at the other locations, um, are there conversations that you all have be- before harvest of like, you know, hey, I need a, m- a lot more, you know, X than maybe you do? Is, is there horse trading that goes on? Is it you all just contract a lot of hops and it, you know, sits in a in a in a central location for whoever needs it? How, how does that work yeah. with multiple locations and multiple brewers with multiple? I was going to say personalities, but that's that's not the different personalities is probably the. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, uh, each year when we go out, obviously the, the pandemic has changed things a bit and the expansion to multiple different locations, but, um, there was a while where all, all the head brewers would go out with, uh, Sam or brewmaster, um, and do selection. Um, and, uh, unfortunately this year I didn't get a chance to go out, but Sam provided us like a great rundown of, um, all the different selections we made and sensory notes and things along those lines. And uh, for the most part, I mean, they sit with our hop suppliers. We can kind of order order what we need um, as we need it, um, based off you know what, what what our schedule is and what's coming up. But there is definitely a sense where you know if there's uh, only a certain amount of of one special lot and um, you know uh, some special citra, you know, per se, and and DC is doing a bunch of all citra that we really want to come out super nice for the whole year. You know, a lot more of that will be allotted to them. Um, but, uh, for the most part, you know, we, we share everything, uh, you know, pretty equally, um, you know, proportional to our size and, uh, and, you know, if we need anything from each other, we, you know, we, we move beer around with trucks between all the breweries as well. Um, pretty well. So, you know, we can ship stuff between us, uh, pretty easily and, yeah, it works out nice. It's a pretty collaborative and kind of organic uh, experience moving the hops around. The pandemic has, because you haven't really been able to open up the place and 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 you know uh, fully embrace the place in the way that you wanted. I was talking to some of your your colleagues uh, when I was there. Um, mm-hmm. They're saying with all the with all the acreage that you could have two, 300 people hanging out, uh, all socially distanced, uh, just by nature of, of the land that you have, mm-hmm. which is, which has got to have been helpful during the pandemic. Um, but yeah. as, as you think about, um, you know, hopefully, 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 hopefully things getting a little bit better and whatever normal is going to be, um, 
what would you like to see happen at the brewery? What, what you know, what are, what are things that you were hoping, you know, you could do early on that you haven't been able to, that maybe you can, as we start to get into some of these warmer months. I think kind of what I touched on uh, earlier with um, really kind of taking advantage of the land we have there and kind of designing um, in a smart way uh, areas where people can not only hang out amongst, um, you know, amongst the, the beautiful landscape, but also, uh, where we can plant trees and bushes and, um, start cultivating, uh, our own kind of fruit and products there that, uh, we can then kind of bring back into the beer. Um, so I would love to see, you know, us plant a hundred different fruit trees back there, um, you know, and really start to think about, um, think about how, how we and, and our customers can interact with that landscape. Cause there's a lot of unused uh, space back there. Um, you know, we can continue putting picnic tables around, which is, which is great. Um, and it's great to have a place where people can sit, but I think, uh, doing something a little more interesting in that area. Um, I think it'd be amazing, you know, Hey, if we got some, some farm animals down the line, you know, some goats and chickens, um, and really just kind of try to try to play up the, um, the full potential of, of what that place can be um, and, and the type of area that it's located in. That's cool. Uh, yeah. y- you mentioned brown ales and red ales and people getting excited. Is there a style of beer that you've been wanting to make at this location that you just haven't gotten around to yet? Hmm. I'd have to think on that one for a while. Okay. Um, I think, uh, I think, you know, through that mixed firm program, I've been able to have quite the creative outlet um, <laughs> thus far. Um, I, I would love to make some more lagers um, up here myself, you know, okay. black lager or something along those lines or uh, some smoked beers. I think that could be a lot of fun as well. Um, Handering to the right audience. I like yeah, it. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, I yeah, mean, with uh, local maltsters, you could probably get some get some pretty good local smoked malt. Oh, definitely. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Um, and I don't know. Yeah. Th- things along those lines, I think could be fun. Um, I think I- in addition to the mixed room project, you know, uh, if we started brewing some, some very small batch, um, uh, clean styles like that, um, to kind of give a little more variety to our tap list, that could be a, a lot of fun as well. Um, because I think yeah. we have, 20 taps or so, and usually, uh, you know, 15 to 18 are IPAs. So, yeah. Um, if we could get a little more of a mix in there, um, just for one or two lines, um, and start brewing some more, uh, some more interesting stuff like that or different stuff, I guess you'd say. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. So who knows, um, Sam, if you're listening, let me brew a smoke beer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, uh, I'll send him a note after this goes up to remind him that uh, love that it. you should brew a smoked beer. Um, I've been asking folks on the show as we start to wrap up here. Um, we've been setting it up by saying uh, a couple of months back, my wife and I started rewatching The Good Place. And there's this whole uh, concept on the show of the green door where you can walk through a green door uh, and be anywhere at any time uh, with anybody that you wanted. And so if, if, such a thing existed on this plane of existence. And after this conversation ended, you could walk through a green door and be at any pub or any brewery uh, with anybody that you wanted. Where would you go? Who would you want to be with? Hmm. 
Let me think about that one for a second. Um, I feel like I'd, I don't know. I'd like to uh, be taken, uh, I guess, to to Belgium. Um, I'd love to go to Driefontein, which I've never been to. Um, and I think uh, I think I'd probably like to be there with with my brothers, who are the ones who kind of got me into beer, um, and just enjoying uh, enjoying some some lambic and goose with them. I like that. That's uh, it's a good place, and it sounds like good company. I hope you no, get absolutely. to do that one of these days. Absolutely, me too. Thanks for thanks for taking the time. Thanks for these uh, for for these beers and for telling me the stories behind them. And uh, uh, yeah, really, absolutely. what a what a cool spot. I hope I hope everybody has a chance to come up and visit. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, uh, I hope you had a great time there, and hopefully, we uh, get a chance to catch up uh, over a beer in person sometime soon. I'm always looking for new spots to visit, and this conversation about multiple locations got me thinking. Have you visited a brewery that is a second or third location from the original? How is it different? How is it complementary? What did you enjoy about the experience? You can tell me about it. It's John Hall. That's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at beeredge.com if you like email, or you can get with me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. Be sure to check out beeredge.com for our This Week in Rauk Beer and Defend Pilsner merch and to follow along on social media at The Beer Edge. And of course, This Week in Rauk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search and on Twitter and Instagram, it's at TW Rauk Beer. We're able to bring you this show each week thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to sponsor at beeredge.com. And also be sure to check out Stomp Stickers. Stomp is a proud member of the Brewers Association that produces a wide variety of printed brewery products, such as beer labels, keg collars, coasters, beer boxes, and much more. Stomp's website features an easy to use design tool, low quantity orders, fast turnaround times, and free domestic shipping. Visit stompstickers.com and use code craftbeer15 for 15% off of your first order. Athletic Brewing Company's innovative process allows them to brew great tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to gold nails and more, they offer a full selection of beers starting at only 50 calories. Now you can keep your head clear and enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime, anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six-packs or more. New customers can also get 10% off of their entire order with code BEEREDGE10. Limit one per customer. And NZ Hops. It's a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years with creativity and passion to produce some of the world's finest hops. With a dedicated hop breeding program and farming knowledge handed down through the generations, the current day master growers proudly provide 18 unique New Zealand hop varieties to the world. Visit nzhops.co.nz, or you can find them on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at nzhopsltd to learn more. A reminder, check out the Beer Edge podcast with Andy Crouch. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. On this show, Nate Weber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed the logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer.